Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, and I am joined by the international Jake McGee. Ethically true. Yes, it is. And the also true insubordinate Dave Somerville. How dare you have no evidence for this? <laughs> Got plenty of evidence, Dave. I speak to you on a weekly basis. Did you forget this? <laughs> we no we do a podcast <laughs> together. Can we come no on? <laughs> How are we, gentlemen? Are we doing well? I'll complain. Um, okay, so we've got an absolutely packed show for you this week. Uh, we're going to have our deep dive into the AFC East. Uh, we're going to be discussing every team in the AFC East uh, going forward, discuss their off-season, what's going to be coming up uh, in the season. We've also got, of course, we have random stats for you, a special edition of Jake's Hot Takes. But we're going to start, as always, with the news. And Jake McGee, why don't you take the lead in this one? What's the news, the latest news from around the NFL? Well, the latest news, and I can bring Dave in on this because obviously he'll have a lot to say about it. But I'd say that the biggest news of the week uh, was Aaron Donald. Obviously, we've mentioned over the last couple of weeks in terms of is he retiring, is he not retiring? Um, well, he doesn't get an extension, doesn't get a new contract. They've just restructured his current contract. So he had three years and 55 million left on his mm-hmm. old deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Rams now basically just add 40 million. Um, so it's three years, 95 million, 65 million is guaranteed over the three years, and he's the first non-quarterback to eclipse the 30 million per year mark. Prob- Hard to say it's not well deserved. Uh, probably worth every single penny. I don't think anyone can argue with that, Jake. And I think we, we kind of have to get Dave's input on this, don't we? If we have to. I, th- I think we have to. Dave, it's all yours, mate. Oh, just I'm so glad you brought it to me. Uh uh, I, I I like what they've done here, and the main reason that I like it is because it gives the recognition of what I think is a once-in-a-lifetime offense, uh, defensive lineman. Is that, is that the uh, understatement of the year, in that you like what the Rams have done? Yes, yeah, I mean, the, the, Rams, <laughs> the Rams aren't getting a whole lot out of this, except that we're getting the guarantee that he's going to be here for the foreseeable, you know, for the next for the next few years anyway. And yeah, but you're talking about one of the... I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, I'm, you know, I do apologise. I did say I was going to hand it over to you. But you're saying they're not getting much out of it. They're getting Aaron Donald for three years. Yes. I think but, any other team would bite your hand off for that, regardless of the price. So I'm well, sorry, that, Dave, you know, well, I'm I'm jumping in there. On you go. I, no, I do no, apologize. No, 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 I take I take your point, but what, what I was meaning was that there's there's no extension. There uh, he was already under contract. There was just the rumors that you know he was gonna be he was gonna retire. I I I take what Cameron said last week as you know it could be a bit uh, used as a bit of a bargaining chip maybe by Donald's camp I I don't think so he's he, he didn't want to be anywhere else uh well there there was rumors that he might want to be closer to, to Pittsburgh when he did kind of decide to hang up I, I don't know what would you say he uses every part of his body to make every sack so hang up his hands fingers toenails whatever you want to call it Most but, people go cleats yeah. Yeah, we'll go. Do you know what? That isn't that a terrifying thought? Imagine Aaron Donald and TJ Watt in the same team. No, thank you. No, and and, and who's the other? Who's the other guy? Um, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Cameron oh, Hayward. Uh, uh, Cameron Hayward. <laughs> 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 I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh I couldn't. yes, telling you, Super Bowl bound MVP. Um, yeah, Cameron Hayward, TJ Watt, and Aaron Donald. No, thank you. No, you yeah. you keep him in the NFC. 
Thanks, Steve. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're very welcome. But at the same time, if anyone does want to come up against the Rams, you've come, you've got Aaron Donald, you've got Bobby Wagner, you've got to throw in the direction of Jalen Ramsey at some point. You've you, you've got players. It's it's a. I think we're getting our defense to the point where it is starting to look a little bit packed. Now we've got Leonard Floyd coming off the edge. I'm ha- I'm very happy with this. I think I, I obviously the Rams top I have. I've got a, I've got Donald 99 on the back of it, and with good reason. That he is a once in a generation player. He's just going to keep doing his thing. He, he gets double and triple teamed almost every single play. As soon as there's one chance for him, he, all he needs is one chance in a game. That quarterback is getting taken down. I, th- I think we have lost one or two players around him in his kind of support cast. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day. I'm so glad he did, he did get paid. Um, he's he's gone elsewhere. I don't. I can't remember where he went. It doesn't matter. He's not with us, so that's the main thing. But um, <laughs> yes, I, I'm very very happy what they've done with Aaron Donald because I think he, he equates for a couple players on our team because of just how special the man is. So fantastic that he's getting paid. He's getting his. I think the contract now reflects that he is the best paid uh, defensive player in the league by by a long shot. I think. You know, uh, when we tried to trade for Matt Stafford, the Lions came back and said, "What about Aaron Donald?" Uh, I don't think the Rams could <laughs> tell them exactly how high to jump before they fell off the cliff. But um, yes, I, I, I think that kind of emphasizes that there was zero chance of the Rams letting Aaron Donald go. I, I mean, you'd need no. There's just no price. I'm sorry. That it doesn't matter who it is. There is no price for Aaron Donald, and I'm so glad that this has been completed. Imagine shooting for Aaron Donald and landing Jared Goff. That's a swing and a miss. That's like thinking you pulled an eight and then turn over and it's actually a three. That's yeah. that's that's pretty bad. That's so, pretty sorry, generous. Jared. You know, if Jared, no. we all know that Jared Goff probably listens to this podcast, don't we? Um, Obviously, who doesn't? I mean, who doesn't? And um, that's that's got to be tough. My hate mail. It would explain a lot of hate mail coming recently <laughs> to our <laughs> burner <laughs> accounts. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just you know, I get getting DMs just from. Uh, it, it's not Jared Goff's official tick on the Twitter, but it's Jay Goff or Goff J. You know those kind yeah. of accounts. Constant hate coming through. Yes. Ah, well, what a shame. I mean, it's not. You're not even getting a three. You're just getting a blank card. I, th- I think <laughs> instead of pulling an eight, you just get. It's not even a real card. It's like a Pokemon card that they're pulling instead. Yeah, I, I, I think, do you know what? I'm, I'm also glad that Aaron Donald is staying with the Rams. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't like players who jump from team to team. It, it, it's just, it, it smacks of just following the money. Uh-huh. And there's no loyalty to the team that drafted you. And I, uh, I and don't get me wrong, I I do understand certain players who do it. For you know, they mm-hmm. they fall out with the the management or the or the coach. I get that, but I like to see a player play their entire career in in one team. And I hope Aaron Donald does do that. He's he is. You're absolutely right. One of the greatest defensive players of all time. It's not a question. I'm not sure where I would rank him. Because it's defensive tackle, it's it's difficult. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I remember he's a unique defensive tackle, though. You know, he, he's he's not the biggest guy. He's what six one, six two. Yeah, for but a for yeah, a defensive tackle, muscle. he's yeah. what you would call undersized. I mean, clearly, mm-hmm. he's one of the strongest men on the field. Uh, but you know, just from if you look at his height and weight, you'd say, oh, he's slightly undersized for a defensive tackle. But the the efficiency that he brings is just 
unbelievable and beyond mm. compare. I was uh, watching our thing on Twitter and reading a post that someone had said, name your top three defensive players of all time, regardless of position. And I was so tempted to put Aaron Donald in there. Like, so tempted. I was like, oh, do I put him in? I eventually, I went for, who did I put in now? I think I put in uh, Lawrence Taylor, yeah, Deacon Jones, and Reggie White as um, yeah, my I mean, three I mean, they're, favorite. They're all uni- yeah, they're unique individuals. Uh, I'd make that point. I think the thing with Aaron Donald, I, I think it was summed up quite well by the 49ers offensive lineman, Trent Williams. In one sentence, he just said, I wish he had retired. Oh, that's of course. All, that's, that's all that was necessary. Every, yeah, that's every offensive player in the entire NFC West and, you know, half the league are like, oh, why did he not retire? Do mm-hmm. I have to play this guy again? Surely not. Uh, Aaron Donald, absolutely worth every penny. Uh, and hopefully he'll last more than three years. That, that would be good if he actually did get an extension and, and played another couple of years because he's an exciting player. And I think the NFL is better off having... Uh, a player and a person of his caliber in the team um, and, and on the field, I should say. So, yeah, that's uh, Aaron Donald's great contract. Uh, Jake, any other any other contract news that we should know about? Uh, well, keeping in the NFC West, then the Seahawks today restructured Shelby Harris's deal. Uh, they cleared just over three million, three point two million in the cap. People are kind of speculating, you know, what's that for? Could it be DK? People are still saying, could it be Baker? Um, so another defensive tackle in the same division. Yeah. When it's restructured, I assume it probably just got changed to bonuses and similar to, to how the Rams and the Saints kind of act, the, the cap is a myth. Well, Shelby Harris, best hands in the league. Some guy, awesome player. Uh, I gutted he went to Seattle from a, from a Broncos point of view. Absolutely gutted that he left. Uh, he, he is a great player. Um, surprised they restructured him so quickly. It's just obviously they're doing it for a reason. Yeah. It's just what is the reason? Is the reason DK? Um, pretty sure he's missing from mandatory minicamp at the moment. Yeah, obviously waiting for his deal. So maybe that's what is leading to the kind of okay, what can we do now? Because we obviously want him back as soon as possible. Yeah, there's been a few players missing from minicamps. Uh, DK Metcalf, obviously, as you've alluded to, uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, is nowhere he's to be been seen. Excused. Oh, he's been excused. excused. The team, he? team have come out and said they've. Ex- it's mutually agreed that he's, you know, not expected to turn up. Obviously, there has been things coming out um, about the Cleveland Browns, the Deshaun Watson situation. The article that came out in the New York Times. We're not going to get into it too much because next week we're covering the AFC North in depth. Uh, hopefully we'll have a little more clarity on the situation as well. But uh, the article that came out in the New York Times, if any of it's true, then it's it looks really bad, not only for the Browns and Deshaun Watson, it also looks really bad for the Houston Texans. But uh, as I say, we won't get into it too much. We are covering the AFC North next week and we can discuss that situation then. Um, what else, Jake? I understand that Ryan Fitzpatrick... Uh, signed a one-day contract. Is that correct? I don't think so yet. I've seen that the Bills were looking to get him to sign a one-year contract. That's the team he was with the longest. Ah, But he's definitely retired. It's it's, it's been a week of retirements. There was Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's been probably the most notable, Frank Gore, um, Alex Mack, Stefan Tuitt. It it seemed to be the week for players to go, mandatory minicamp, nah, not for me. 
<laughs> that, that's when you decide when you've had enough when you're like yeah. oh i can't face this anymore. vacation's over back to work i've had a good career yeah dave and i were talking about ryan fitzpatrick just before we came on the air there um and it turns out he was drafted by the rams Mm-hmm. In the seventh round of the 2005 NFL draft, I mean, let's be honest here, instantly making him the best quarterback ever drafted in the seventh round of a draft. That's not even a question. Yeah. Possibly the best quarterback drafted by the Rams. <laughs> no comment. Possibly. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, his longest stint was with Buffalo, four seasons. Yeah, I think I saw it. It's 29%. He, he started for 29% of NFL teams. That's pretty impressive um, he's uh the classic journeyman uh, he is indeed and and uh, i also noted that uh, i was reading on on uh, wikipedia that in 2018 when he was with the tampa bay buccaneers he became the first this stat this should have been a random stat but i'm going to tell it now ryan fitzpatrick in 2018 became the first quarterback in nfl history to throw for over 400 yards in three consecutive games that, that can't be right. Seems very achievable these days. I mean, in 2018, when you think of Peyton Manning's 2013 season when he threw for 5,500 yards and some change, and Drew Brees did it in 2011, possibly, I forget, when he threw 5,500 yards, how did they not have three games in a row where they threw 400? That, that doesn't make sense to me. But apparently... It was Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2018 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So there you go. Also, um, un- unfortunately for Fitzmagic, uh, it, it did mention that he holds the most career passing yards and passing touchdowns amongst all NFL quarterbacks in history without a single postseason appearance. Hey, That's if there's, you know, you don't want to be the guy who had one postseason game and lost, you know, you I'd rather be the guy that never D- never made it than got there and lost. If you're going to do it, do it in style, yeah? He stands out. <laughs> You'd rather be Fitzmagic than Andy Dalton. Imagine, no, absolutely. That's not <laughs> even a question. <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, let, let's be honest here. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a legend in the NFL. I mean, he, everybody knows who Ryan Fitzpatrick is. Everyone mm. knows what he looks like. Everyone knows what he's done. I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot of people could recognise Andy Dalton, you know, if you picked him out of a lineup. Um, well, yeah, just the, just the hair. Just the hair will do that. Uh, but, yeah, from, from a career point of view, honestly, 20 years from now, everyone will still know the name Ryan Fitzpatrick. Andy Dalton will just not be that guy. The level of popularity that Ryan Fitzpatrick has is criminal i don't know what's going on if he's he's so famous i think he's just so likable from a neutral perspective some of the some of the things he did with the dolphins remember when he came in yeah uh, was it uh, 2020 was it yeah yeah Uh, i kind of cover for tua basically which i still to this day maintain that he's a better quarterback than tua but the point i was going to say was that i think as he's gotten older towards well arguably towards the end of his career he's got better he, he's, he's, I think he did brilliant for the Dolphins. I think they, he came when, just to get them some, uh, n- not necessarily, not recognition for want of a better word. Um, I, I think, um, some sort of credibility that they were a team on the up. I think when Fitzpatrick took over from Tua, I think it was Tua's first season, and he just 
show he was able to show what uh, an established NFL quarterback could do. So I think he he was the right person at the right time for the Dolphins anyway in in 2020. So be sad sad to see him go, but you know maybe I think it'll be interesting if we do get have to go onto Amazon for some games. Then if he is as some of the rumors are to be believed, uh, possibly negotiating negotiations with Amazon to sign a contract and be a kind of uh, pundit and uh, oh no you know. I would I would tune in to see that do you remember yeah, we were talking I, I would, about the Tom Brady thing that's exactly where I was about to say I would rather <laughs> listen to Ryan Fitzpatrick than Tom Brady oh, any day of the week definitely and the thing is when when he does retire if you know if he's retired has he actually retired now yeah. has he retired well, Fitzmagic Fitzmagic has officially retired yeah right so he's officially he's retired it was just rumours that the Bills were going to offer him a one-day contract so he could retire a bill formally. I understand. So, uh, in the next few months, you're going to see on YouTube, like, highlights, career highlights from Ryan Fitzpatrick. And it's going to be, like, one of the best videos you've ever seen. I guarantee it. Because he always had those moments. I mean, he was called Fitzmagic for a reason. He was also called Fitztragic, but we won't speak about that. He was called Fitzmagic for a reason. I mean, just even th going back to 2020 again... Do you remember the play against the Las Vegas Raiders? The last, like second to last play of the game where he's getting his head pulled round by the face mask completely 90 degrees to his body as he's throwing it on 4th and 20 or whatever. I forget what it actually was. And he manages to thread a needle with his head completely obscured to the, the, the receiver right on the sidelines to get them in field goal range to win the game against the Raiders. And, and you watch that play that. Yeah. and say, well, it'll be, you know, you can look it up. Ryan Fitzpatrick versus the Las Vegas Raiders for the Dolphins. It was an insane play. Probably the best play of that entire year. And I think it was the week after the Raiders had played the Jets. And do you remember the Jets ran the cover zero? Yes. Oh, God. On the final... Yeah or second to last or last play of the game when the Raiders had again fourth and a mile I was like well they have to go deep and the Jets run a cover zero and, and the, the Raiders scored with the touchdown fantastic play from uh, Derek Carr I think it was a week after that maybe two weeks after that where the Dolphins were in almost the exact same position where they had to go long there's only you know 20 seconds to go and you're on your own 30 yard line and somehow they let the receiver get behind them. But at the same time, Fitzmagic's face mask is being ripped clean off his head and he's throwing it as he's as he's being tackled. It's an, a, an amazing play. If you haven't seen it, listeners, YouTube, Ryan Fitzpatrick, deep throw versus Las Vegas. Something like that. It'll pop up and it's just, it's an insane play by Ryan Fitzmagic. Any other news about going on in the league, Jake? There was a retirement I want to touch on from a coach, uh, but I would feel remiss if we didn't talk about Frank Gore. Um, the, you know, holds the, the record for most games played by a running back, ranks third in NFL career rushing yards. I think he's finished on 16,000 exactly, which is very aesthetically pleasing. Um, but yeah, I would feel bad if we didn't talk about the legend Frank Gore also retiring. He's been playing for what, 100 years now? That's Honestly, it, that's it what it seems 16 like. seasons. 16 seasons for a running back. Yeah. I, I 
I'm I'm right in saying he might have been drafted around the same time as Eli Manning. I want to say he was drafted in 2005. Was Manning 2003 or 2005? I feel like it was one of them. Regardless, um, Frank Gore. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just an an incredible career, the longevity. I mean, they were calling him the old man. You know, Frank uh, Scott Hansen on Red Zone. The old man's doing it again five years ago. <laughs> so the old man's still going. That's an insane length of time. Sixteen years for a running back. Yeah, think of this. Looking at some of that 2005 draft, there was one, two, three, four, uh, three running backs in the top five, and uh, Frank Gore was a, a third round, I believe. Who were the um, Who were the first rounders? So the first rounders with pick number two was Ronnie Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, pick number four was Cedric Benson, mm-hmm. and pick number five was Cadillac Williams. Cadillac Williams—that's wow. a name I've not heard in a while. Great name. No, I heard that name in a while. Now remind me, um, Cedric Benson, Chicago Bears. Is that correct? Cedric Benson was drafted by the Bears. Yep. Yep, and did you say, who is it, Brown? Ronnie Brown. Uh, Miami Dolphins? Yep. Yeah, but I cannot I'll remember give, who Cadillac... Oh, I'll, give you, I'll give you some serious points if you can tell me where Cadillac Williams was drafted. I want to say Tennessee, but... I, but it begins with a T, I'll give you that as Tampa Bay. Nah, Tampa Bay. Cadillac Williams, that's a great name. Was that his actual Fantastic. name or was that a nickname? Um, I'm not sure. Fantastic, just, love it. Cadillac. I hope it's his real name. Oh, yeah, I imagine calling you Kid Cadillac. <laughs> what? Oh, <laughs> well, I no. suppose, you know, some people, call their, Lamar. some people call their kids Lincoln. So, you know. Yeah. Sadly, it's not as, it looks like a nickname. Ah, never mind. Um, uh, I, I regret looking that up now. Ah, see, no, that's it. You know, it's it's the, the internet equivalent of Never Meet Your Heroes. Yes. So yes. never look up the name of someone who's got an awesome name, just in case that's not their name. <laughs> There was a couple of signings in, in Tavon Austin to the Bills and Dionis Johnson to the Browns. Um, or sticking with the Bills, there was Andre Smith suspended six games for a suspension. And then the retirement I want to talk about from the coaching was Romeo Cronell. Ah, yes. 50 Romeo years Cronell. of coaching. 50 years. Quite a career. Do you have any numbers there for us at all about yeah. Romeo Cronell? So. So he's from the Parcells coaching tree. He's got five Super Bowl wins as an assistant, two with the Giants and three with the Patriots. He was the oldest head coach um, when he took over. He was 73 years and 115 days young when he became the head coach. 73 um, and a half when he became the head coach? Yes, he was the oldest head coach. Talk about, you know, waiting your turn. My goodness. Yeah. He was the, the first black head coach of the Texans. Uh, he was the first black non-interim head coach of the Browns. I mean, broke tons of barriers, like I say, 50 years. Just a legend of the game. Mo- mostly known for, well, in recent times anyway, his involvement with the Texans before the car crash they became. But like mm. I say, he's been around for a long, long time. Romeo Cornell. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, 50-odd years in the league, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Talk about someone who's seen it all and done it all. Yeah, he's seen some some uh, changes in the game to say the least. Oh, he certainly has. I mean, you're talking so what? 1972? That be 73? Yeah, it would be around was that era. Was it 50 years? You said. Yeah. 
Yep, so 1972 or possibly 1971. We'll find out uh, the exact uh, year that Romeo Cannell started. But um, yeah, a lot of changes. If you look at videos of the NFL in the 1970s, and it looks so different to today's game. There was no such thing as roughing the passer back then. There was no such thing as, you know, the defensive backs were allowed to, shall we say, bump receivers off the line of scrimmage. Uh, they were mugging them, literally tackling them downfield before the ball got there. Don't th- I'm not sure if pass interference was a thing in 1972. I don't believe it was. Uh, yeah, was it the Steelers or the Raiders that basically brought in pass interference? I want because to of say, them. I want to say it was the Steelers. It was the Mel Blount rule. Yeah, it was Mel Blount, but I remember the, the Raiders with their cornerbacks oh, were... Yes. Uh, now, Lester Hayes... And Mike Haynes, I'm going to see. I could be wrong with that. Lester Hayes was the one who covered his hands, his um, forearms, and his shins in stickum. Now, stickum was this really thick glue-type substance. Um, it was almost like... Do you, I don't know if you guys have ever had to do any repairs on your own car or anything like that. And you get this this fiberglass epoxy. It's a P40, it's called. You get it in a tin and you mix it up and then you spread it out and it's fiberglass. And it's really, really sticky. So stickum feels like this. Super sticky. And Lester Hayes was intercepting balls that were just bouncing off his forearm. <laughs> so it was like it would just stick to him literally boom the ball would hit him and stick to him um, and his hands were covered by the end of the game grass he was just covered in grass because it was all stuck to him but he would have it on his shins because as it was on his hands and it, you know obviously he'd be trying to catch the ball and stuff like that and the, the referee's trying to get the ball off him and it's ripping the stick him off he would then wipe his hands on his shins to get more stick him on there it was just insane. Emergency supply. Emergency supply, yeah. Um, and 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 Mike Keynes was a he was a, he was a spectacular defensive back for the Raiders uh, back in that heyday. Um, but yeah, they, they were rough, and I believe that Lester Hayes was one of the the rougher. I say rougher, tougher defensive backs in the NFL back then. Always, who's the other one? It was it Jack Tatum? I think it was Jack Tatum was was a safety for the for the Raiders. Um, nearly killed one of the Minnesota Vikings receivers in the Super Bowl. It was just yeah, like his helmet comes flying off one with the hits and the put them. You you rarely see that in today's NFL. You rarely see it. Romeo Cannell has seen it. <laughs> he saw it right through the seventies and then into the eighties and then the nineties, two thousands, two thousand tens, all the way to the two thousand twenties. What a life! Enjoy your retirement. You deserve it. He's probably listening to the podcast, you know. I mean, what else is he going to do now? He's retired. <laughs> exactly, he's retired. He's going to be listening to the WinFL show. Uh, so, yeah, it's Romeo Cornell. Good for you. But, yeah, a busy week of retirements, a couple of signings, and then obviously the big Aaron Donald restructure. Restructure. Mm. Yeah, Dave, you have you got over it yet? Uh, um, look, I'm trying to be composed, professional. <laughs> uh, 
all I can say. First time for everything. Right, right. You can't say the words I want to right now. That (laughs) reply right there was very, very. uh, I don't think our podcast is eighteen plus, so we can skip over that. But um, yes, I think the. uh, I'm so happy about Aaron Donald. It's 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 well to me anyway. It's like getting a brand new player. That you know, it's like getting four Von Millers. I'd say I think he's. I I think Aaron Donald's better than four Von Millers. But wow. And yet, it took one Von Miller to win you a Super Bowl. Uh, I think without Aaron Donald there, Von Miller would have got a lot more attention. So I think without Von Miller there, you don't make it to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's all. We all have our favourites. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we... Let's on in that Super Bowl. <laughs> let's let's move on. <laughs> now, <laughs> before, before, before we take our deep dive into the AFC East, which is the uh, division we're covering this week, there is something I need to bring to the attention of uh, all our listeners and, of course, you two gentlemen. Now, if you haven't seen it, Pro Football Focus ranked the 2022 NFL head coaches. Okay? This was brought up on... I, I saw something that they'd spoken with this on Good Morning Football uh, because I saw on Twitter. This is what brought it to my attention. Uh, they posted a picture of the top 10. So I'm going to read the top 10 head coaches, 2022 NFL head coaches, ranked by Pro Football Focus. And I want to get you guys' opinions on this list. And I'm going to read them 1 to 10. Okay, so we're going Bill Belichick, number two, John Harbaugh, number three, Andy Reid, number four, Cliff Kingsbury. (laughs) 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 Uh, Come on, come on. I haven't said anything else yet, right? Number five, Pete Carroll. (laughs) Number six, Matt Lafleur. Number seven, Kyle Shanahan. Number eight, Mike Vrabel. Ha. Number nine, Frank Reich. Christ, and number 10, Mike McCarthy. <laughs> just, is, will Sean McVeigh on that list? Or is no, he... no, no, Sean McVeigh is oh, not on okay. this list. So I, he's I on the I list somewhere. Up. I don't know where he is on the list, but he's not in the top 10. And neither is, is neither is Mike Tomlin. I was about to ask Mike Tomlin. Where is he? Now, the thing that gets me is that uh, apparently, according to PFF, right, they have their uh, algorithms and all this stuff that works out. But one of the things is, you know, how much you do with the roster, the talent of the roster going by PFF rankings. And then I'm thinking, well, hang on a second. Why is Mike McCarthy on this list? That's also the general manager's job, not necessarily a coach's uh, job. True. Uh, but they say, because every year PFF sees Dallas as like the most talented roster in the NFL or the second most talented roster in the NFL. And they don't ever do anything. So how can Mike McCarthy be number 10? I mean, I can, I'll, I'll give you, I'll, do you know what? I'll give you Bill Belichick at number one. I'll, I'll yeah, give you I can't that. really argue with that. You mean? If someone had said, oh, Andy Reid, number one. Uh, uh, okay. Maybe. Bill Belichick, number one. John Harbaugh, second. Andy Reid, third. Cliff Kingsbury at four. (laughs) Maybe for the first half of a season. I mean, yeah, yeah, through the first six games, Cliff Kingsbury, yeah. Pete Carroll at number five. Matt um, Lafleur, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Vrabel, Frank Reich. I mean, I I love Frank Reich. I do. I've said it time and time again. But last year, they didn't even make the playoffs. Was that his first year or was that his second year? I he's think not been that, a head coach for that long. I think that was his second year. 
And he's a top 10 coach but, already. Oh, yeah, number nine, yeah. And Sean McVay, who won, who won the <laughs> Super Bowl, isn't in the, the top 10. I mean, like, what are you doing? What about McDermott? No, that, I, that's I, it. I, I, I was, Those names I read out to you, yeah. that's the top 10. V, Tomlin, McDermott is replaced by what? Kingsbury, Carroll and McCarthy. Well, well, Carroll, Carroll probably because he's been there, so he's been doing it for a while. I can understand why someone will put him in there. Does anyone, does anybody who's ever watched this game over the past 10 years, 20 years, think Pete Carroll is the fifth best coach in the entire NFL? Oh, no. But we may be slightly biased on this podcast, but no, I don't see it. I, I don't think, because of longevity, you could make the argument, but no. <laughs> no, just, I, I don't. I mean, B- B- Bill Belichick's number one, right? Uh, and some people say, "Oh, that's just because he's with the Patriots." Well, no, he went ten and seven with a rookie quarterback. He did, and his rookie quarterback was like the rated as the fifth best rookie quarterback. You know, he didn't have Justin Fields, didn't have Trevor Lawrence, didn't have Zach Wilson. He had Mac Jones. He had the chubby guy with the cigar, and he's you know one game off winning the division. Sure, I just. Sean McDermott with a better win percentage, more wins, more playoff wins, two FC, uh, two AFC championships, four playoff berths, not getting in ahead of. I don't. I feel bad for picking on Frank Reich, but you know he's one playoff win. But yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. No, it makes zero sense. Absolutely none. And when I saw this, now as I say, I didn't read the whole thing. I don't know what the entire list is. I just saw this picture. Of the top 10, it was, it was posted by Good Morning Football. And I was just looking at it going, what is it they're ranking? And it was like head coach rankings. I'm going, but how are they ranking them? And then it said, according to Pro Football Focus. I'm going, yeah, but how are they ranking them? Because Cliff Kingsbury at number four? Mm-hmm. Do, you think, I, do you think with uh, Frank Reich, they've put him there, just make him feel better about having to put up with Carson Wentz? Do you know what? <laughs> if that's the case, he should be number two. Because he had to... <laughs> Sorry, Carson. There you are. D- 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 ditching you again. Yeah, he's listening, remember. Uh, he's, oh, Carson will listen to the podcast, yeah, of course. Um, Mike Tomlin with 154 mm-hmm. wins. A Super Bowl, you know. also AFC North Championships. He, Mike no Tomlin has never had a losing season. Mm-hmm. Never. It's pr- crazy. In how long has he been coaching? Thirteen uh, years for so thousand seven fifteen. Fifteen years. He's never had a losing season, and you've got him ranked behind Cliff Kingsbury. Pete Carroll was seven and ten last year with the Seahawks, when they had Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, and DK for the moment, and and DK. Tyler Lockett, and then DK Metcalf. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm do you know I'm sorry, guys. I had to bring that up because I saw that and I was just blown away my gast had been flabbered or was my flabbergasted i'm not sure i was flabbergasted so either my flabber was gasted or my gast was flabbered whichever one it is couldn't believe it so pro football focus do you know what i've given up on them i i sometimes you see that rankings and you're like where are you getting this from and i know they say oh well we look at all the metrics and we do all the things 
how, did you watch the game? <laughs> you know, it's all well and good looking at stats. And and I like some of the things that they have. You know where they have uh, all the, the fastest speed achieved by a player was 22.3 miles per hour and, and all that kind of stuff. I love that because I love stats. Yeah. But don't then say that Cliff Kingsbury's the fourth best coach in the entire NFL. I've, you lost your mind. I mean, in He's the name of the maybe. wee man, what are you looking at? Maybe the fourth best coach in his division. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that whatsoever, but I, I, I'm very curious about what they actually used. Well, I mean, to, I, I, I would. Yeah. You've got, you've got three out of the four NFC West coaches are in the top ten. Not right? the best. <laughs> so you've got Cliff Not Kingsbury, Pete Carroll, ever. and Kyle Shanahan. Coach to win the Super Bowl are in the top 10 and you don't have the one who won the division against all these coaches and then went on to win the Super Bowl. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I, I know so many people have got a thing for Kyle Shanahan and I get it. I get it. Offensive mastermind, you know, he's got his dad's playbook. I like Kyle Shanahan. I think he's a very smart guy and he can win with... Um, a lot less than some coaches come in with. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, what did he do last year? What did the 49ers actually achieve last year? They went 10 and 7, pretty good. And, you know, they got bumped immediately. All the Saints playoffs, thanks to the Rams. Oh, well, That's why I show oh, my face on the top 10 so he couldn't win the last game out. of the season. That'll be it. There you go. Maybe, I'd, uh, maybe, uh, what's his name? Who's the guy who runs PFF or the, the... Mike Florio. That's not who I was thinking of. It's the other guy, the commentator. Phil Simmons? No, no. Um, Collinsworth. Chris Collinsworth. Oh, oh, Chris Collinsworth. Chris Collinsworth is one of the big guys at PFF. Maybe he's got a thing for the Saints, right? <laughs> because because the Rams couldn't win. He's like, God damn it. Sean McVie is off my top 10. I tell you, he clearly hates Pittsburgh. Justice for, for Mike Tomlin. He also hates Cincinnati, his own Bengals. Yeah. You'd think, and surely the coach, surely the coach who coached the Bengals to the Super Bowl would be in the top 10. This isn't top three. We're not talking top three. It's top 10. You tell me the two coaches who made it to the <laughs> Super Bowl aren't in it. I just, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It's difficult to make a case for Cliff being in the top 10. I, I would make the argument uh, and to see that he's, he, well, well, there you go. Let's see. This is what I mean though. But how have they analyzed this? This is ridiculous. It, it's just, you, you've got, in the case of McVeigh, you, you were looking at teams. They all wanted, they didn't want the new uh, Cliff Kingsbury. They wanted the new Sean McVeigh. They wanted the next Sean McVeigh coming through. I think, yeah. No, no, nobody, nobody is hiring mm -hmm. this year going, you know, we need the next Pete Carroll. <laughs> no, it's not a single team thinking that. No one is thinking we need the next Pete Carroll. We need the next Mike Vrabel. Yeah, yeah, Mike Vrabel. Oh yeah, we need him. No, no, you don't. No, I no. mean, you understand? People say we need the next Bill Belichick. Yeah, mm -hmm. we need the next Andy Reid. Yeah, we need yeah. the next Sean McVeigh. Yeah, you could even argue the next John Harbaugh. Yes, definitely but the next Sean McVeigh 
And, you know, again, we spoke about this last week. Stability-wise, we want the next Mike Tomlin. We want the guy that we know is going to be here for the next 20 years and we're not going to have a losing season. That's what you want. But Mm -hmm. no one says we want the next Pete Carroll or Cliff Kingsbury. No. Someone (laughs) goes up and thinks, I I would be Cliff Kingsbury. (laughs) I don't know. He's a good-looking dude in a nice house. He's got a lovely house. You guys have re- you the taste of both of you in the appearance of uh, NFL coaches and players is very questionable in my book. So. What are you We're talking about? A well-groomed man and saying he's good looking. Don't be so sheltered. I, I oh. come on, Dave. You're sounding it's awfully insecure month. here because I'm telling it. You know, Cliff Kingsbury's a good-looking guy, but his house is spectacular. I am comfortable enough in my sexuality, especially in Pride Month, that I can look at a guy and say. That's a good-looking guy. Good-looking guy, absolutely. Not so much with Pete Carroll. Wouldn't say that. Yeah. No, Doesn't really do it for me. Not going to lie. And we should move. Yes, we should. <laughs> Mike um, McCarthy, you know? gentlemen, it is deep dive time. We uh, do you know? I do you know what I forgot to do? I forgot to see. I forgot to see. See what we just did there. That was uh, a special version of Jake's hot takes. You can. Say it now and then edit in beforehand. I'll yeah. say it now and then edit it in. Uh, <laughs> but you know what will happen is I'll forget to do that and it'll probably say Jake's hot takes about now. Jake's hot takes. Um, anyway, right. Deep dive time. We're going into the AFC East. We're going to be discussing all four teams. We're going to talk about where they finished last year, what they've done in the offseason, what we expect from them this year. And we have to start with the division champion, Buffalo Bills, they finished the season 11-6, and six, had a wild ride through the playoffs. It was spectacular. That divisional playoff game against, um, my goodness, Kansas City was just a sight to behold. It was utterly incredible. Buffalo Bills, 11-6. and six. Jake, what do you think of last year's Buffalo Bills? What do you think of their offseason? What's going to happen this season? I think going forward, I, I focus more on on this season, looking forward than than looking back. I mean, eleven and six. I think they were thirteen and three the year before. Um, the the over under for this year has been set at eleven and a half, so they're obviously yeah. expecting a somewhat similar um, kind of journey this year. I mean, they start at the Rams. Mm-hmm. Four of their first six are on the road, and they have a very early bye in week seven. That is but early. The, the, yeah, very early. And then after that, they've got the Packers at home in week eight. But that is where it kind of, that that's the, the brunt of it. If they um, come out of that, you know, 500, it gets much easier. Um, pretty much the rest of the season is a cakewalk until the end with week 17 at Cincinnati and week 18 at home to the Patriots. So the, the middle to the end of their season is a lot easier than, say, the start of it with a lot of away games and, and early bites. It's never exciting. I like that scheduling those last two weeks. Yes. I like that. Cincinnati and then New England. Last year's AFC champs and then the team who ran them one game in the division last year. That's going to be absolutely fantastic. Bills did, of course, add Von Miller, as we alluded to earlier. Huge defensive signing for them. Uh, they, I believe they're looking at Von Miller as the last piece to sort of get them over... Um, what the you know last year's divisional game uh as i said against the kansas city chiefs which was just 
backwards and forwards. It was like four touchdowns in the last minute of the game. It was ridiculous. Um, and obviously the Bills are looking to get a player who can help them get that defensive stop. Uh, Dave, I'm going to put it over to you, Buffalo Bills. Give us your opinion on them. Uh, well, when we were looking into the EFC East, I was looking at kind of the general consensus of strength of schedule. Um, the Bills are actually ranked as tied 12th with the, the hardest schedule. Uh, and I would think that they might actually be a little bit, they, they should be a little bit higher than that because, uh, like Jake was saying, their first four, first four of six are way on the road. Yeah. Um, so I think that, um, that, that they might have a bit of a difficult start to this season. But I, I think they did kind of address any... They had no glaring needs uh, in the offseason that I, that I could see anyway, leading up to the draft when we were looking into potential draft needs. We were looking at maybe a little bit of strength on the defense and maybe a running back is what we were looking at. And I think they did address these needs. You know, at Von Miller, it's hard to get more, to, to address a need more than to get Von Miller into the team. Um, and I think we already discussed, they did offer him a contract that he just prob- probably couldn't refuse um, because of how good it was. But um, yeah, I... I it's hard to see the Bills not winning this division again. Um, but last season, I think eleven and six probably. I, I would I would say they almost underperformed a little bit. I think there was a lot more people thinking they may go a bit better than that during the regular season. And that, that I mean that game against the Chiefs was just it, it was it was brilliant for the neutral. Uh, I don't think we could have asked for much more. But um, yeah, I, I think you know Bills. The one last year, I think they're going to have an improvement on their eleven and six from last year. I think you you looking at maybe thirteen, thirteen and four. I reckon. Um, it de- I think it all depends on the start to their season though, pre bye mm-hmm. week, because they may get a little bit tired week sixteen, week seventeen, you know, consistently, um, but without a kind of bang middle middle of the the season break. But I I can't see the Bills not winning their division. Um, I I do think. Uh, they will have the advantage with a lot more home games towards the end of the season. But I think if they come away four and two or better from the first six weeks, I, th- I think, yeah, it's going to be probably like a kind of 13 and four season, probably for the Bills. Yeah, I, I find it hard to argue any anything that you've said there. The, the Bills were a, a well rounded team. Um, the, the one thing that got me was that every now and again they would have these blips. But you looked at it and went, what happened? I mean, last year, in week nine, they lost 6-9 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> and, and you're like, you look back and say, how in the world? The following week, they blew the doors off the Jets, 45-17. And Jets did well. That, yeah. Before the Jets. <laughs> but then, the Jets but then the week after that, week 11, they lost 41-15 to Indianapolis. But then the following week, they beat the Saints 31-6. It was almost... Ah, we don't need to bring that up. <laughs> don't need to bring that up. It was almost like they, they were just like Jekyll and Hyde. They, were, they mm-hmm. looked like absolute world beaters one week. And then the next week, they were... Awful. Even in week one, week one they lost to the Steelers, 23-16. The following week, they beat the Dolphins 35-0. You're like, this, this team makes no sense whatsoever. I, I don't get it. Um, but I think 
the you're right. I think the addition of Von Miller will have a big effect on him. They don't need him. A lot of people are saying Von Miller's too old now. The Bills don't need him to play every snap next year. They yeah. were they're already really close to being good enough to get to the Super Bowl and possibly win it. I think Von Miller is the guy that they will basically keep in bubble wrap until you know there's a game with two minutes to go. And they're up by one, and the other team's got the ball. Fire Von Miller on; he'll get a sack, mm-hmm. you know. Or come come postseason, get Von Miller on now. I don't think you need a player like that to play the entire season, um, because they they should be good enough as long as they can be more consistent. Because we know they've got the talent. Josh Allen is something else; he's incredible. Stefan Diggs, him and Stefan Diggs had this almost telepathic connection. It was ridiculous. Um, The the defense is good. Uh, The special teams are good. Everything that the Bills do, they do well. As you mentioned, Jake, their coach, McDermott, great coach. They're coached well. But every now and again, last year, they just wouldn't turn up. What's going on with this team? So hopefully they'll get a bit more consistency this year. And uh, I, I think you're both right. I think the Bills are, are going to be a, a fearsome team this year. Um, moving on, we do have the New England Patriots. Um, the Patriots finished 10-7, and seven, one game behind the Buffalo Bills. And uh, in the regular season against the Buffalo Bills, uh, the Patriots won the first outing against them, 14-10, lost the next one, 33-21 to the Bills. Uh, but the Patriots did have a good season last year with a rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. And he performed, I think it's fairly safe to say, better than anyone expected and certainly was the most impressive of all the rookie quarterbacks last year. Jake, I'll hand it over to you. Your opinion on the uh, New England Patriots? Yeah, for, for this one... I'm very curious, maybe somewhat dubious because of the coaching in terms of it looks like it's going to be Patricia doing the offense. Right. I thought you were talking about um, Belichick and I was like, what are you no, talking about? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Belichick. Imagine having Belichick as I'm a coach. I'm worried about like the three other coaches that are on the staff. <laughs> Everyone else's staff has about 18 coaches. The Patriots like, ah, just give it a Bill and Steve Belichick. We'll be fine. Yeah. Um, if Mac Jones can obviously avoid the, the sophomore slump, um, I'm worried with them, you know, losing Shaq Mason and Chase Winovich. And the thing I looked at when I saw their schedules, from Thanksgiving, they have four straight primetime games. And after that, they still have to face the Bengals, Dolphins, and they finish at Buffalo, who we've obviously just spoke about. So they've got, I think, one of the the teams has five primetime games, but they've got four straight, which is a lot of pressure, really, especially for a second-year quarterback with all the eyes on him. There is. I think I think Jones will cope with it because I think Belichick is the best mentor he could possibly have. Being a quarterback who came out of college and yes, he went first round, but let's not kid ourselves. Nobody expected much out of him and they were game shy of winning the division. Um, looking at a few of the scores from last year, I mean, they had games last year where they were just killing opponents. They had a three-game stretch between uh, weeks 9 and 11 um, against the Panthers, Browns, and Falcons, where they won 24-6, to 45-7, 25-0. And in the, in the second to last game of the season, they beat the Jaguars, who'd beaten the Bills 9-6. They beat the Jaguars 50-10. to 
That's coaching for you. It really is. Dave, what do you think about the, the Patriots? What do you reckon? I'm in about 20 minds when it comes to the Patriots because you ju- you can never, ever count out Bill Belichick. That, that, I think that will always go in their favour while he is head coach. I was when I was looking into the Pats, I was thinking I, I was looking at some of the players that they do have and you know, players that are were seen at um mandatory training camp. Now, one of the players that is a relative unknown because he was signed to the practice squad last year is a potential weapon for Mac Jones this year, and that's Trey Nixon. He was a seventh round uh, wide receiver choice in the twenty twenty one draft. Um but apparently when he's been uh, training in front of the cameras he's made some great grabs and including an easy uh, allegedly easy 40 yard uh, pass from mac jones deep ball and apparently the route running was fantastic in it and what from what the analysts have seen of him he could be someone that could feature this year so if they've got another kind of hidden gem up their sleeve and someone like trey nixon and not a white you know someone a target for mac jones um I, th- I think you know you can't discount them, but there there was also another quote when Cam Newton was being interviewed re- very recently. He was saying that a he didn't quite get the Patriots' offense. There was never any kind of real chemistry with a lot of the players on the offense. But at the same time, he also very quick. Well, but in one of the questions, very quickly after that, he he stated he doesn't think that there are thirty two better quarterbacks in the league this year than him. And some took it as a potential sign he was having a little dig at Mac Jones. So make of that what you will. Um, but mm. when, it, when it comes to Mac Jones, especially obviously because the spotlight's on him being the quarterback, I think Mac Jones cannot really lose, even if he, if he only wins seven games next year. The reason being is because, like you said, no one expected him to do much, if anything. So even though he was a first-round draft pick... I can't really say that. I, from what I saw of him, I wasn't really impressed from his college. I mean, a lot of the others were really questioning the, the Patriots' choice. I mean, as we can see from this year, a lot of people do question the Patriots' choices when it comes to the draft. Um, you know, a guy that was projected in the third or fourth round went in the first round thanks to the Pats. So, yeah, I think I think they're going to have like a kind of maybe eight or nine win season. I think they'll be around that kind of middle between win and loss, a winning season, losing season. But I don't see they've made enough improvements to really catch up to the Bills, and I think the gap will actually be extended. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my two cents on this now. I am absolutely terrified of the New England Patriots this year. Ooh, and okay. I'll tell you why. Bill Belichick, through his entire career, like you know, going back to defensive coordinator, you know, as you mentioned, Jake, the, the Parcells tree. Bill Belichick prepares his teams so well. If the other, if the opponent prepares and they're ready to go, they know they're going to have a really tough time with the Patriots. If they don't prepare, the Patriots will absolutely annihilate them. Now they, they've done this throughout Belichick's entire career. If you're not ready to play a Belichick team, he is n- not going to hold back. Just it, last year alone, they beat the Jets 54 to 13, the Browns 45 to 7, the Jaguars 50 to 10, the Falcons 25 to nothing. You know, it's they just, the, the Jets again 25 to 6. These teams weren't prepared. And Belichick went, well, oh, you're not ready. 
Well, this is what happens when you're not ready. We're going to embarrass you in front of your own fans. As, as a fan who watched the 2019 Super Bowl, I can attest to that. Well, yeah, exactly. It's and, and he he will embarrass you. And I think the problem is we're all talking about Mac Jones because, of course, we are. You know, he's he's the unknown quantity, Mac Jones. We know he did well as a rookie, but we don't know what he's going to do in week, in in year two. As you said, Jake, sophomore slump. We all know it's a thing. We've seen it too many times. But I think the one person who can just <laughs> overcome that is Bill Belichick, and a quarterback, a young quarterback's best friend is a defense. And nobody in the history of this league has had a consistently good defense like Bill Belichick's teams. And I'm just worried that Mac Jones is going to improve that a little bit on last year. And teams are going to be like, okay, we studied Mac Jones from last year. Don't be studying Mac Jones. You need to study the coach because that is what's going to kill you. It's not what Mac Jones does on the field. It's what Belichick does. That is the thing. And if people take their eye off Belichick to concentrate on Mac Jones, I am just utterly terrified. We spoke about the AFC West possibly sending four teams, you know, you know, in, in, in a, a dream reality to, to the playoffs. It's entirely possible the Bills and the Patriots will both go 15-2 and two this year and split them, you know, split, split their own series because the Patriots, I honestly think, are that dangerous. Now, I could be wrong. But Bill Belichick has just caused me so much heartache over the years. I'm tired of saying Patriots aren't going to do it. They had a blip with Cam Newton. And as you said, Cam Newton wasn't ready, but he literally joined the 11th hour. Mm -hmm. He didn't have an entire offseason with the Patriots. And he was running a different style to anything that the Patriots had done over 20 years. So it was always going to be a bit rocky. Mac Jones comes in and Belichick's got a a clean slate and he says listen son do what i tell you and you'll be fine and look what happens i feel i feel somewhat bad for matt jones in terms of it's his second year and obviously with mcdaniel's going it's his second offensive coordinator and it's from all the rumors it sounds like it's gonna be matt patricia who's not an offensive minor but so that, that, it's certainly going to be a challenge in you that is weird if matt patricia yeah that's yeah that's an, I could be wrong. Maybe the maybe the Patriots will win four games this year. It's a possibility, but I, I just don't. I've got too much faith in in Belichick for that. Um, well, the over under is set at eight and a half, and considering they won ten last year, they're obviously I expecting think th a bit of a regress. I I think they'll just blow past that. I'll be I will be very surprised if the Patriots don't have double digit wins this year. I'll be very very surprised. Moving on, we do need to move on. Last year, the Miami Dolphins, 9-8. and eight, They finished third in the division. Um, obviously, questions still abound about Tua. Still so many question marks over this young man's head. Um, hopefully, he doesn't let it get to him. They did add Tyreek Hill. Um, but uh, Jalen Waddell can run a pretty fast 40 as well, as we know. Four. Point two something, I forget what it was. Four two two, was it? Ridiculously fast. Yeah. Jalen Waddle. So they've got so much speed in Miami now, it's unbelievable. And uh I've forgotten the name of the tight end. Um excellent tight end, but I've, I've forgotten his name that they had there in Miami. Mike Gasicki. Gasicki. Fantastic player. a uh, lot of time for him. He looks he looks like the real deal. 
Um, I, I honestly, I believe if he was on the the Bills, uh, if he was on the Chiefs, then he, he, folk would be saying, "Oh, look at this guy! He's an all pro tight end." I think he's got that much talent. I really believe it. Um, but uh, once again, Jake, you get the first share to this one. What do you make of the Miami Dolphins? Well, I, I was always looking forward, but I, looking back at the Dolphins, I don't know if there's much point because what an off-season they've had in terms of a complete turnaround. I mean, Taron Armstead, Tarek Hill, uh, Cedric Wilson Jr., Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, Connor Williams, Sonny Michelle, Melvin Ingram. I mean, what like it's a brand new roster almost. Um, so a complete turnaround. Yeah, they've, they've, um, lo- the road. they've loaded up on offensive talent. Oh, yes, absolutely. And like you say, speed. I'm certainly interested to see if Armstead is going to be left tackle or right tackle, considering Tua is left-handed. Um, now, with the Dolphins, they're on the road three of their first five games. Their bye isn't until week 11, so it's much more favorable. Um, but four of their last six are on the road. And that's of those last six, one of the home games is against the Packers. So Oof. not exactly an easy home game to have. That's that's tough. You, you do want those last two or three games. You want yeah, a couple of home games in there towards the end of the season, um, particularly with, with the extended season. Yeah, yeah. I think you you touched on that. For me, it all depends on two. They've they've put a great support and cast around them. There's a lot of speed. There's a lot of you know hype and energy about the Dolphins this season. It all depends on if two can take that next step. Uh, it's, it's one of the teams, that especially. I'm not that interested in the training camp and pre, you know the preseason games. I'm not going to be staying up to watch preseason games. I might stay up and watch the Dolphins because I really am interested to see how they how they kind of how they line up. You know, who, who's going to win the running back battle? Is Armstead playing left or right tackle? Is Tua going to take that next step? You know, very interesting team. That the over under is sat at nine, so they're not even committed to an eight point five or a nine point five. They really don't know, and I think that's fair enough when. You've got an almost brand new team. I, th- I think last year, um, sorry, Dave, before before I hand it over to you, um, should point out, for those who don't know, the Dolphins started the season 1-0. They then went on a seven-game losing streak, followed by a seven-game winning streak, and then split the final two games. It was a, it was a bizarre season for Miami. From start to finish, but uh, Dave, let's let's get your opinion on on the Dolphins. What do you reckon we can expect from them this season? Well, just picking up on what you said there, momentum was what got them those seven wins. They got that one. They broke the they, they broke the horrible chain that had developed of the seven game losing streak, and then they got that one break, and boom, next seven games. I think their weak link, in my very humble opinion, is still Tua. It it. it it's I I'm, I don't rate Tua whatsoever. I've watched I watched him in college for uh, Alabama. I watched him in his first year, and just thought, you know what, my worries about this guy were right. He sh- I I don't think he should be. I I think they need someone as that backup uh, to be there constantly, making sure that Tua is proving himself. If we look at what the additions that they have made, I think they have addressed a lot of needs. But Tua is, I'm not on the Tua bandwagon whatsoever. I, I I do think that he is not a starting quarterback. He's not the level that they need to kick on. I think they will be fighting for the, with the Patriots for that second spot. But I'm just, I, I can't, I, from what I've seen, from everything I've seen, 
from college right up until he's he's been in the NFL. I think Tua is just not the package that the Dolphins need to kind of kick on and be be someone that be, be a team that they deserve to be. I think they've got a massive fan base across the globe, especially in this country. I mean, mm, you know, yeah. that's probably more the Marino factor. I think you know because you had the Dolphins on the telly the most sort of when it was introduced into the UK. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, uh, as you can quite clearly tell, I don't rate Tua. I think I would be very, very worried if I was a Dolphins fan that Tua is still there. And he will be there for the next few years anyway. I think he will be. I, I hope it works out for Tua. I mean, he was drafted second overall behind Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it wasn't a surprise to anyone that he was drafted second. This is the thing that gets me. Sometimes you see quarterbacks getting drafted, you know, in the top three, four, five. Um, and it's almost like it's that, oh, that's that's quite an interesting pick. I think everybody knew that Burrow was going one and Tua was going two. Like, uh, back in 20, uh, 2020, sorry. And, but it almost seemed right from the get-go that Tua just didn't look ready that's what it looked like. It looked like, mm-hmm. not that he doesn't have arm talent. I see, you know, people saying, oh, he can't throw the ball down the field. Oh, rubbish. Of course he can. We've all seen him do it. We know he can throw the ball more than 40 yards. Uh, but he had so many detractors coming out of college. And, and I, I don't know how much of that was to do with it. He had surgery um in his in his final season, didn't he yeah. at Alabama? Yeah, he had a bad injury at Alabama. And was his, I, I was, was watching his hip, that was it? game. Uh, yes, yes, it was. Yeah. It was a really bad hip injury, if I remember. I I remember when he went down, and the you know the worried faces on the sideline, especially from Nick Saban, uh, and it was you know they were thinking he he was considering he could have delayed it a year, but uh, to go into the draft, and I think that may have done it. It may, it, I mean, it may have been good. It may not have been, but he was he was determined. He was NFL ready. He was told by the people around him, his entourage, he was ready. And you know, he had, he came back in. There wasn't a lot to go on from yeah from about halfway through the college season. He did get that injury, but you know, I I I still I had worries then. The only thing that is in his corner though, he has pretty convincing winning record in well, the NFL. He took it, over in 2020, wasn't it? Was it 2020 was his, his first season and he, he yeah. got injured again in that season. Mm-hmm. Remember we spoke about Fitzmagic coming in for him. Yeah. Um, the, the thing with Tua is that I think because of the injury he had, I think he's like a year behind. Um, mm-hmm. When you remember Joe Burrow's rookie season, Joe Burrow didn't come out in his rookie season looking like a world beater. True. He was getting the living whatever knocked out of him constantly, ended up getting injured and didn't finish out the season. Um, I think Tua, because of the injury that he already had, I think you can basically write off 2020 for Tua. Just to, there, was, there was no point in him playing that year. He wasn't. Anyone who's ever had a hip injury, which has required surgery, will tell you, you're not 100% in six months. You're not 100% in 12 months. It takes a long time. 
particularly for someone whose job, all the power in throwing comes from the hips. Everyone says it. It's not on the arm, it's in the hips. Rotate the hips for throwing. You know, we use uh, people laughing at the videos of Dak Prescott um, doing those uh, shuffling on the sidelines for his yes. throwing motion. It's all in the legs. It's all in the hips. I think Tua will be better this year. I don't, I'm not seeing Tua is going to be great and, you know, he's worthy of being a number two overall pick and, and he's going to be the best thing since Dan Marino. I'm not saying that. But I think he will be better. I hope for his sake he is better. Um, because last year was rough. That seven-game losing streak was awful. And then the, the seven-game winning streak was, you know, Miami fans, uh, we, we all know uh, uh, a Miami Dolphins fan that we work with, and he didn't know what to make of the season. He was just like, ah, I have no idea. Week to week, I don't know if we're going to win or lose, regardless of the opponent. So you you might be right, both of you. You might be right with what's going to happen with the Dolphins. Do we think they're going to, I mean, last year they were 9-8. and eight. Do we think they can beat 9-8? and eight? Jake, what do you reckon? I think they'll definitely be there or thereabouts, especially with the the offense and some of the weapons mm-hmm. they've picked up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it would be a disappointment if they didn't hit double digits, really, considering, you know, I don't think Tyree Kill's signing up for, for a 9-8 and eight team. Uh, probably not. <laughs> Dave, what do you reckon? Do you reckon they hit double digits? I, I, I kind of echo what Jake says. I, I think it is just a case of... They'll be around there. I, I think they'll be a couple games shy of the Bills for sure. Um, it's whether mm-hmm. or not they're a couple games shy of the Pats and yeah. of that kind of lower, uh, like playoff wildcard positions. I think that's the kind of position that the Dolphins should be aiming for. Um, but yeah, I, I was just having a look at two of there uh, from what he did in college. Um, he, 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 what actually happened was that he got sacked but his knee drove into the ground. He dislocated his hip. He broke his nose and he tore the exterior or the interior or exterior wall of his hip as well. So he had surgery a couple days after that. They I were mean, 30. I'm sure they, they won <laughs> the game like 35, seven. I mean, that's going to hurt. Injured, yeah. If you're that's injured, gonna hurt. That's one way to do it. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm wincing thinking about that. Even just the falling over part. That, that, yes. that makes me wince. Um, now, fortunately for Tua, he does get to play the next team on our list twice. Um, unfortunately, for any of you New York Jets fans, um, they finished last year four and thirteen. Um, it was last year was a disappointment for the Jets. They did get um, they got a quarterback, Zach Wilson. Like everybody knew that he was going to be drafted by them. He had a rough time of it, and he got injured as well. Um, was replaced by remind Mike White. Me, Mike White. Yeah, Mike White. Replaced yeah. by Mike White uh, for a game, and uh, that was a game against. In fact, that was a game against the Patriots, wasn't it? But he just went off. Did he not explode, and they scored like fifty points or something. Um, and then Joe Flacco came in and lost some games for them as well. Um, it was when I'll, I'm not going to lie. When Joe Flacco was the quarterback for the Jets, that's one of the most anemic things I've ever seen. It was an embarrassment. And I I was at the game at MetLife where the Jets played the Miami Dolphins. And I thought, this guy doesn't even belong in an NFL field, Joe Flacco. He didn't. He was, uh, he was awful, 
absolutely awful. What do we think of the Jets? Off-season, draft, Jake, tell me what you think. Well, I think a running theme is I'm higher on the Jets than most people. I mean, I mean, looking at this season, I mean, they start with an AFC North gauntlet. They play all the AFC North. Uh, they've got Week 10 bye, but they do end the season with Lions, Jags, Seahawks, Dolphins. So if there's a way to end the season, probably can't get much better than that. Um, ultimately, what mine comes down to is there, there is only so much Joe Douglas can do. I've raved about him, um, you know, this offseason, bringing in Conklin, DJ Reed, Jordan Whitehead, CJ Uzama, Lakin Tomlinson, Tevin Coleman. I mean, the draft they had was, you know, fantastic. But there is only so much, you know, he can put the players there and the coach can do as what he can. But it's very similar to the, the Dolphins. It comes down to the quarterback. I mean, he's got a number one wide receiver. He's got some great tight ends. He's got a, a good running game behind him. But with a good quarterback draft class coming up, I really do fear it could be very, you know, it could be short-lived for Zach Wilson. This, even though it's only his second year, and obviously, like I say, he's been injured, this could be the last, you know, last chance already for him in terms of being a starting quarterback. So it, it kind of, if he progresses, and obviously with the, the new offense and some of these new pieces, the Jets could definitely improve. I mean, they seem to be touted for a bit of an improvement in terms of their over-under set of five and a half. And like I say, with that end of the season, you can kind of see why, but Zach Wilson really has to step up. It's, it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs when a player going into his second season mm -hmm. and we're talking about this could be his last chance. He's looking Sam. over his shoulder and he's probably started a handful of games. You know? That's Sam, Sam Darnold 2.0, isn't it? Well, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean... I, I personally, I think he's a slightly more talented version of Sam Darnold. I think he's got more ability, but I think he's in exactly the same position and through no fault of his own. Mm -hmm. I think for whatever reason, and I can't put my finger on it, I don't know the answer. The Jets just seem to be the place where rookie quarterbacks go to die. And it, it just, it's an awful situation for him. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, also correct myself. Uh, earlier on, I said it was the game against the Patriots. It wasn't. It was against the Bengals. Mike White. Uh, it, just, it just exploded. Um, but Zach Wilson, I mean, come on. It's just, he's had one year. He's not even going into his second year. And we're already talking, in all honesty, about, the, you know, this could be his last chance. Yeah, I know I, I don't want to. No, like no said, nobody it's wants not that. Fair, but it, it's the reality, especially in the NFL now. I mean, up until recently, it was a, an absolute rarity that a quarterback would get traded or a quarterback would reach the upper market. Now it's kind of every year there's at least you know two quarterbacks moving. There's, there's all sorts of, like say, the draft class from this year has already been touted. Um, so it, it's just a, a very sad reality for Zach Wilson that, like you say, he's gone into his second year after a disrupted first year, and he's already looking over his shoulder. If Here's a worrying stat. If the Jets had scored 30 points in every single game last season, they would have been 9-7. and seven. Mm. You know? Uh, uh, sorry, 10-7, uh, big part. I keep forgetting about that 17th game. If they'd scored 30 points in every single game. Because their defense was appalling. I mean, it was so bad. Just the, one of the worst in the entire league. That their, their, their points differential was horrendous. Um, 
Dave, what do you make of the Jets? It's it's a, I I get I get I get upset talking about them. What do you think of the Jets, Dave? Well, I'm gonna go a bit off line with what I've said previously because I I think I've said it quite a couple quite a couple quite a few times on this podcast that I think Zach Wilson is not good enough to be an NFL starting quarterback. What I am going to um, back him up a little bit. Because what I did realize, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I saw a stat that said that Zach Wilson had 12.7% of his catchable passes dropped, which was the highest amongst the 35 qualified quarterbacks mm. that were eligible for this, for this stat. Now, if your receivers, the ones that you are throwing to, are not catching some of these key big plays in these games, you, you're doomed from the start. You, you just, you, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, and I think that's probably what happened a lot of the time. And but like we said before, the Jets cover zero. Some of the decision makings on the coaching side were just you're scratching your head and just feeling sympathy for the entire Jets nation. And obviously our new honorary Jets fan, Cameron, big shout out. Um, <laughs> since I wasn't able to convince them away from the 49ers, we'll just we'll we'll call him the the honorary Jets fan of our podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I, I I feel bad for Zach Wilson. I th I do think that he needs to pick up this year. One thing I have said and thought before is that I think at least one of the highly touted, sought after quarterbacks in next year's draft will be going to New York. Which New York? I don't know. One is almost certainly going to the Giants, though, unless. Baker turns up in New York. That's the only thing I, I think would stop the Giants drafting a quarterback next next uh, next year. Yeah, obviously so. there's the, the 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 Baker Mayfield saga, which again we'll we'll go into in greater detail next uh, next mm -hmm. week. Um, the thing is that you look at honestly the the defense for the Jets was so bad. I mean, Zach Wilson could have thrown three touchdowns in every single week, and they'd have won four games. Uh, that's yeah. how bad they were. They went through a stretch uh, between weeks, um, what was it, uh, week seven and ten, where they allowed 54 points, 31 points, 45 points, and 45 points. The Rams wouldn't have won those games last year. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, well, you're thinking, if well, not if you're allowing 54, uh, uh, 45, and 45. That, that's what I mean. I'm not saying mm -hmm. they wouldn't have won. Yeah. Oh, clearly they would. It's just, if you're allowing that many points... It doesn't matter what you do as a quarterback. There's mm -hmm. nothing you can do. It's a, I, I saw a stat that was talking about um, where, where does Aaron Rodgers rank among the, the, the best quarterbacks of all time, right? And mm -hmm. someone had said, oh, well, you know, he's, his postseason uh, record is terrible compared to, to some other quarterbacks. You know, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, uh, his postseason is, is awful. But then you look at the actual stats of what... The Packers' defense did in those games. And I believe, and now I, I'm probably wrong with the, the figure, but I believe in Aaron Rodgers' playoff career, the Packers have allowed an average of 33 points a game. What, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. So you could throw four touchdowns a game and lose every game. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, well, thanks very much. doesn't matter what I do when the defense is doing that. Um, and I think Mike White's in that position. I think... Oh, so, sorry, Mike sorry. I, I said, I said, Mike White. I said, Mike White. Zach Wilson is in that position. He needs so much help. The Jets need to improve so much on the defensive side of the football in order for him to have 
any kind of success. And I think it's a shame because, Jake, I think you're absolutely right. I think if they don't improve on the defensive side of the ball, Zach Wilson's going to get the blame and he might be out next year. It's awful for these young quarterbacks. The guy's, what is he, 22, 23 years old? Yeah, he's a, I think probably, what, 23, 24, Jake, maybe? I don't, he might not even be that old. I mean, I remember when Sam Donald came out, he was like the young Tom Donald, I'm pretty sure he's only just turned like 24. Like He's been in the league for four or five years and he's still Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he was, it was just before his 21st birthday, wasn't it, when he got drafted yes. or something like that, yeah. It's um, crazy. So, but unfortunately, that is the reality with the New York Jets. That is the AFC East. That's our deep dive into the AFC East. Uh, next week, we will be talking about the AFC North. We're going to go uh, east, north, south, west for each of the conferences. But we're not quite done, gentlemen. <laughs> we do have one more segment to discuss. And it is, of course, Random Stats. Dave, would you like to kick us off this week with your random stat? I I, I will, because um, it's one that I want an opinion from both of you gents uh, on this, because I my... Well, following on from the Jets, maybe uh, I could say that my stat is about a player that I feel didn't quite perform up to what he could have, even though his stats would say otherwise. So I'm going to give you the, the man's stats. He's a running back, drafted in 2004. He started 147 games. Uh, he rushed for 11,400 yards out of 2,700 attempts. Uh, he had 69 rush attempts. His receptions were 461 receptions for 3,600 yards. And he also got nine touchdowns uh, through receptions. And he was in the league for 11 years. Do we know who I'm talking about? Can you give me the, give me the rush yardage again? Rush yardage. So he had 2,764 attempts for 11,438 yards. 11,000 yards. And drafted in 2004. 2004. Hmm. That's quite some time ago. Quite some time. Well, it's relative, but he retired in 2015. Right. I am going to say... Oh, no, I'm not. Because he played in 2016. <laughs> that's that's, that's that one I was going to say Jamal Charles, but he mm -hmm. played through 2016. Uh, I'm sure he did. So I'm going to say... Tiki Barber? Ooh, good guess. Jake, any any raise on Tiki Barber? I uh, just, 2004, the only thing that comes to mind, it won't be LT, Ladinia Tomlinson. I'll, I'll go Juice, Juice McAllister. Well, I can tell you that you both are wrong. Oh, no. Who is it? So, I'm going to give you uh, the, shall we say, the first hand experience that I think that Stephen Action Jackson. Oh. did not ah. perform to what he could have done. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, the st his stats, obviously, some of them are fantastic. He, his third year with the Rams, he had a standout league. Uh, 16 starts, 346 rush attempts for 1,528 yards, 13 touchdowns that year. However, yeah. he did have a tough act to follow with who was there before him in the shape of Marshall Falk. Now, Marshall Falk is a, was a fantastic rusher. He was a fantastic receiving back as well. You know, I don't, I don't think there's much doubt about the abilities of Marshall Falk, but Steven Jackson was tipped, highly, highly tipped coming out of college to be the next big thing in the league. He was going to be the next big running back. 
I think he was good, borderlining great, but he did not live up to his to what I feel he should have done. I know probably being coached under Jeff Fisher might have had some sort of PTSD effect for <laughs> a, a period of time. But, um, you know, he did, he did hold the Rams franchise record at one point for the most career rushing yards. I think it may still stand today at just over 10,000 yards. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, uh, from, you know, Stephen Jackson, he was drafted, it was in the first round that we drafted him uh, back in 2004. Um now, I vaguely remember this because I, it was around a time when I was I was in school, I was in high school at that time, and I wasn't quite watching uh, the NFL as much as I possibly could have done. But Stephen Jackson was a disappointment to me. And the main reason being is that with someone who had so much talent early on, he seemed to go downhill after his first three, four years. After his rookie years, he did not perform to the caliber that he could have done. He was averaging four and a half to five yards per carry in his first three three seasons. And then in his last kind of seven, eight years, he averaged between 3.8 and 4.4 yards. He, he did not really kick on as he could have done. It wasn't a case of people were identifying him as a big threat. I just think that... He did bulk up a little bit, and with that, lost a little bit of his speed. So, even though he's a, he's a contender for a future Hall of Famer, with possibly just with the the Rams, you know, uh, uh, in house Hall of Fame. But I'm going to say that Stephen Jackson did not live up to his expectations, and I'm disappointed to say that. But I'm sorry. I think that we could have done better. Any thoughts, gentlemen? <sighs> I think you're very, very right, especially given the current running back kind of climate to get, I mean, even at the Rams, he was there for eight years, mm -hmm. had a couple of years at the Falcons and then finished at the Patriots. Uh, I mean, he had two All-Pros, 2006, 2009, three Pro Bowls, including 2009, 2010. I mean, the longevity from a running back, especially, like you, I think the average for any running back now is two, maybe three years if you're lucky. I think he's done a very adamant, adamant job in terms of sure he's not you know gonna be in the Hall of Fame, but like you say, he's certainly a contender for a Ring of Honor, and I think he'd be quite happy with his career. And if most first round picks you got eight years out of them, I think most teams would uh, bite your hand off. Do you think that I've just got such a high coming off what happened with Marshall Falk, how successful he was? Do you think maybe I've just I needed to temper my expectations, possibly. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my opinion on this, Steve. Mm. There's something about the Rams, and Careful. I don't, I don't know what it is. No, no, it's, it's not a bad thing. There's something about the Rams that they, for years, going as far back as the mid '80s, have got incredible seasons out of running backs. Now, Eric Dickerson. One of the best. One of the best of all time. Yes. In 1983, set the rookie rushing record with the Rams. He had like 1,800 yards. The following year, he set the NFL record as like 2,109, I'm going to say, which just still yep. stands today as the most yards ever rushed for in a season. After Eric Dickerson left, he went to the Indianapolis Colts, I want to say. And it was never really the same again. And... The Rams picked up a, uh, there's a big guy, a number 42, Greg Bell. 
Greg Bell was a very underrated running back. And I'm I'm convinced it was 1988 or 89. I forget which year it was. But he had like 15 touch, like 1,200 yards and 15 touchdowns, like back-to-back years. I want to say 1989, 1990. It could have been 88, 89. Um, Greg Bell was fantastic with the Rams. And, and then, you know, he retired. Marshall Falk's best years were with the Rams. You know, I mean, he was the best back in the league, as you've already alluded to. Uh, when he was with the Rams in 1999, 2000, is that right? I want to say? Yeah, it's right. that, was, that was his kind of peak years, yeah. Yeah. You look at Todd Garley, his years with the Rams. And there's, there's just something about the Rams that whatever it is, something in the water, <laughs> running backs seem to have their, their best years. That I'm completely forgetting about Jerome Bettis. My goodness, his his first Way what back, two yeah. three years were with the Rams in the was the early nineties was it ninety two ninety three I forget what year it was uh, yeah early nineties yeah and and you know he rushed for uh, thousand year thousand yards back to back years and he had touchdowns left right and centre and something about the Rams I think Dave you've been spoiled with running backs in the same way that uh, Green Bay Packers fans when Aaron Rodgers hangs it up. And whoever is the next quarterback, if if they're not if that's not a Hall of Fame quarterback, Packers fans will be like, oh, he's rubbish. Well, it doesn't have to be rubbish, but you've been so spoiled of 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play that if you know, anyone who's not at that level is going to seem rubbish to you. And I, I think that's where you're coming from, Dave. I think you're just, um, because I think Steven Jackson was amazing, fell off, his career tailed off, but you can't compare him to someone like um, Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk and Roger Craig were the two uh, thousand-yard club, uh, you know, thousand-yard, thousand-yard, weren't they? Roger Craig did it first, thousand rushing, thousand receiving, and then Marshall Falk did it, thousand rushing, thousand receiving. But I think you could argue that Marshall Falk's season was better than Roger Craig's was. He looked like he was just dancing down the field it was it was incredible he was just ghosting in and out he looked like he was just so much quicker than everyone else in the field Marshall Falk was something else he was incredible yeah I think the only thing to kind of round up on that one is that with um Stephen Jackson I think he was brought in with the with his ability in mind that he had good hands and you know we could continue what was going on what what Marshall Falk was able to do and I think he Probably it probably overshadowed him a little bit, um, and you know he fed off it at the start. Maybe fresh out of college, didn't have to worry. He was just just wanted to carry on doing what he was doing that got him to the NFL in the first place. Mm-hmm. But I do think he did kind of fall off a little bit. I think that was probably more to do with coaching and the personnel around him more than Stephen Jackson. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, if you want to give like a rating out of ten for his career, I'd give him a seven or an eight. So I was at. I think you're right that my you know subconscious is saying that yeah we we've had deep, brilliant brilliant running backs for years and years and then because we had that period where we were not fantastic after after kind of the 2000 2001 you know we had Stephen Jackson uh, coming in and uh, I think in 2004 I, I did just think that we were a bit kind of not great, not good enough what we should have been. And because our run game has had been so strong for decades before, maybe that's where I'm coming from. But um, yeah, good player, maybe just wrong wrong time 
but, uh, to be to be but, a ram. Possibly, possibly. Uh, Jake, what is your random stat? I was going to do one on Aaron Donald, and I thought we spoke about him enough today, so I've got another one in my back pocket. This it popped up on my news feed because it was Alvin Kamara. And it says, so oh, Alvin Kamara is good at football. Because it says most TDs since 2017. He leads the way with 68. I'm going to give you nine of the top 10. And I want you to tell me who's second because it was a, a very big shock to me. Um, so Mike Evans is 10 with 49. Ezekiel Elliott, 52. Aaron Jones, 53. Tyreek Hill, 55. Another surprise, Melvin Gordon, 55. Devontae Adams, 57. Derek Henry, 63. Can you tell me who also has 63 since 2017? Since 2017, 63 touchdowns. That's a lot of touchdowns. That's a lot of touchdowns. I'm going to... You go first. Okay. um, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say it's someone that I just mentioned. I'm going to say Todd Gurley. Yeah, and what do you think, Dave? I'm going. I'm going to end up overthinking it again. Uh, I, I, I mean, when you first said it, uh, it was Julio Jones that popped into mind, but I don't think I. I, I don't know why that popped into mind. Um, I, I don't think Nielsen might be far off. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll look. I'll go out on an even bigger limb. Just say Julio Jones. It's definitely not Julio Jones. <laughs> it is Todd Gurley. Todd oh, Gurley. Yeah, not, he had not that been in the league for like two years. Yeah, you know yeah. he had that ridiculous stretch. I think was it 2017, 2018? Mm-hmm. What he had like twenty touchdowns. He it was it was stupid. I thought was, that. Yeah, because his run kind of came to a bit of a shuddering halt when it was found that he had arthritis in his knees. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it coming when we were in or heading towards our Super Bowl, and we were trying to kind of rest him, see how like situations we could get the best out of him if we could but um yeah do, do you do you have the, the the season numbers for us jake of, of how many todd Gurley scored each season do you have any idea what they were um todd Gurley. let's have a look nfl career statistics so from 2017 where are we at 2017 13 rushing six receivers so 19 that year 19 next year 17 rushing for receivers or so 21 yeah and then he had 12 rushing, two um, receiving, so 14, and then nine in with Atlanta in 2020. And that's not including the postseason. That's... But for someone who, you know, didn't play, you know, like you said, um, in terms of sometimes limited with the Rams because of injuries, same with the, the Falcons, and then didn't play an entire season, still to find himself second on the list of most touchdowns. I, that's it was a very insane. big, like, oh... How quickly, especially in modern day, and with the we've already spoke about with a running back, so easily kind of replaced these days. How quickly you forget how good Todd Gurley was. Todd Gurley's Todd Todd Gurley was spectacular through those two years. I mean, you're talking about the following season. He had like 14 touchdowns. That was a down year for him. Yeah, rough year. Only 14. Yeah, almost a touchdown a game. Oh yeah, it's not very good, is it? (laughs) What? Unbelievable. Oh, that's a great stat. I love it. Okay, so uh, to, to finish us off and to finish off the, the show, gentlemen, uh, my random stat is actually uh, centered around the EFC East. That is because that's the, the division we've been looking at. And it's to do with the New England Patriots. 
Back on October the 18th in 2009, the New England Patriots faced the Tennessee Titans in a very famous game. It was snowing like mad. The Patriots had their throwback uniforms on. I think the Titans had their throwback Oilers uniforms on. I can't remember that. But the Patriots wound up winning that game. They won by a score of 59 to nothing. But it's not how good the Patriots were. It was how bad the Titans were. Because it was snowing. I'll give them that. But the Patriots, Tom Brady threw for 426 yards. And the Patriots rushed for 193 yards in that game. Now, the Titans also rushed for 193 yards. So the run game wasn't the problem. The problem was the passing game. And in that game, where they lost 59 to nothing to the New England Patriots, the Tennessee Titans actually set an NFL record for the fewest net passing yards in the history of the NFL. Kerry Collins went 2 of 12 for minus 7 yards. Vince Young went 0 of 2, and that's it. Wow. So as a team, they went 2 of 14 for minus 7 yards. So each time they dropped back to pass, they averaged minus half a yard per play. <laughs> Tom Brady threw, uh, I beg your pardon, Tom Brady threw for 29 of 34 for 380 yards and six touchdowns. His backup, Brian Hoyer, remember him, went 9 of 11 for 52 yards. So you can't blame the weather for this one. Now, it was snowing. It was snowing really heavily. But I just refuse to believe that Brian Hoyer can go 9 of 11 for 52 yards. And Kerry Collins and Vince Young combine for 2 of 14 for minus 7. And that is an NFL record. It's the fewest net passing yards in the history of the NFL. And I was looking at some of the other ones because all the other ones are pre-merger. The Washington Redacted on the 27th of November 1955 at minus 3.0. The Denver Broncos on the 3rd of September 1966 had minus 1. The Buffalo Bills on the 29th of September 1974 had 0, as did Washington in 1960 and the Browns in 1950. So uh, that performance, minus 7 passing yards, net passing yards by the Tennessee Titans is the worst in the history of the NFL on a day where their opponents managed to throw for over 400 yards and six touchdowns. That is my random stat. I have That's a... Yeah, I, I was just going to... Sorry, Jake. I was just going to say, I have a feeling I do remember that game. Was it not something like 42-0 at halftime? It, it was stupid. Um, it was actually... It was 45-0 at halftime. 45-0. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry, I was a bit off there. Just... It, Big shout out to the Titans. And then Bill Belichick thought, let's call off the dogs. Scored two touchdowns in the third quarter, and then that was it. (laughs) Brian Hoyer even got a a run out. Brian Hoyer got a run out. Um, In the first quarter... Kerry Collins literally got run down. I'll I'll give you you the scoring in this game, because it it reads in a ridiculous fashion. In the first quarter, uh, 551 
to go in the first quarter. Lawrence Maroney rush, rushes for a 45-yard touchdown. And with 47 seconds to go, Stephen Goskowski kicks a 33-yard field goal. Now in the second quarter, with 9.56 to go, Randy Moss takes a 40-yard t- touchdown from Tom Brady. 54 seconds later, 8.59, right, oh, 57 seconds later, beg your pardon, Randy Moss takes a 28-yard touchdown pass from Tom Brady. With 6.20 to go, Kevin Falk catches a 38-yard touchdown pass from Tom Brady. With 1.53 to go, Wes Welker catches a 30-yard pass from Tom Brady. And with 12 seconds to go, Wes Welker catches a 5-yard pass from Tom Brady. This is all in the second quarter. Tom Brady had five touchdown passes in the last 9 minutes 56 of the first half. You even need to come out for the second half. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think there was a need. Uh, well, he did, and with 10.13 to go in the third, he threw a nine-yard pass to Randy Moss. <laughs> of course he did. And Brian Hoyer didn't throw a touchdown pass, but he did rush for one with 11 seconds to go in the third quarter. <laughs> I mean, oh, Bill that, Belichick's calling quarterback things. sneaks up 52 to nothing with 11 seconds to go in the third quarter. This is this is sort of going on from what I was saying to you earlier about, you know, Belichick's like, you're not ready to play us? You're not prepared for this. We're going to absolutely annihilate you. Tell me who's prepared for a Brian Hoyer Russian touchdown. (laughs) (laughs) Not many people. And on that bombshell, gentlemen, it is time for us to end this week's episode of the WinFL Show. I've been your host, Ian McKinnon, joined by Jake McGee. Oh, that was my, that's my cue to that's say so I thought you were going to okay well okay well I'm looking forward to the AFC North next week so I shall see you again next week and by Dave Somerville this is how you get this professional jumping in here see you next week guys wonderful thank you very much for tuning in to the WinFL show we'll catch you next week <laughs>